Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. <laughs> Good morning. Oh. Yeah, now you already know why I'm up here. It's a birthday request. I'm hoping there's not too many of those made in the future. And they're not transferable, so you can't ask for anyone else's birthday request to me or something like that. Um, I was kind of hoping that this was going to be one of those like Abraham Isaac situations where like you just wanted to see the, the, the faith that was there. And then like right when I walked on, you're like, all right, man, that was enough. You're, you know, you're good. And then you grab the mic and you preach. But I guess faith without works is dead, right? <laughs> Bible jokes, Bible dad jokes. Um, so I just wanted to, I have no idea how long this is going to take. I've never spoken in public ever. And uh, they say that somewhere around 75% of the world has the fear of public speaking. I have no idea how they get that number because I'm sure, you know, I don't think they like fly into some village in the Amazon. They're like, hey, you guys afraid of talking in front of people, you know? And they're like, yeah, also, how are you flying, you know? Um, but I have it. And so if I pass out or throw up or something, I'm sorry. Just, just kind of push me off. Vic can handle the rest of it. Um, all right, joking aside. I'm just going gonna, gonna to open up in prayer because I need it. Oh, Father, thank you so much for this, this time and this opportunity to share something that you've put on my heart and uh, something that I believe truly is, is good for all to hear. Um, and I pray that you would uh, just quiet my mind, quiet my heart, and just use me. Just let me be a mouthpiece this morning, Lord, and nothing more. And uh, please just let this, uh, let this word fall on ears that want to hear and and eyes that want to see more of you. Let it fall on, on good, fertile soil and yield a crop 30, 50, or 100 times more. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the title of my message is uh, Keeping the First Commandment First, and it's uh, within the context of the Upper Room Discourse. So that's, uh, um, the Upper Room Discourse is uh, John 13 through 17, if you don't know. I ironically was on the way here, and I'm like looking at all the scripture I have, and I'm like, oh man, I didn't hardly use anything in John 13 through 17, and that's like what I'm talking about. So we'll see how it goes. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so the Upper Room Discourse, this, that's, that's Jesus' last teaching before he goes to the cross, so probably pretty important. It's, you know, it's just, just packed with so much stuff. Like, if, if you get nothing out of this, I urge you just spend like the next 20 or 30 years in those five chapters, and you'll start to scratch the surface of some stuff that is really on the Lord's heart. Um, so we first hear about this command, the first commandment in uh, Deuteronomy 6.5, where uh, you know, Moses is given the law that the Lord wrote with his finger, which is insane. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Um, the Gospels have a couple different wordings in there. You know, uh, strength is in uh, Mark, and I'm going to use those four because it just happened to work out for my message. So, um, so this, this is just a quick story of, like, this is how God loves versus how we love. In Deuteronomy 5, um, Moses is talking to Israel about the events that happened in Exodus 20 where the Lord spoke, you know, came down the mountain, lightning, thunder, flashes. Everyone's like, cool, we're dead. How about you go talk to him, and you come back and tell us what he said to you. That'll be good enough, you know. And... The craziest thing, the Lord, after they said that, the Lord told Moses in uh, Deuteronomy 5.29, 
Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. So God knew right then, like, oh, oh, that they had such a heart, not, oh, they have such a heart. He knows they don't. And he loved them anyway. I mean, he knew they were going to fail in loving him and he still chose them anyway, because that's how God works. I mean, right after that, Moses is up there getting the commandments and they're like, you guys want to build a calf, a golden calf? Worship, worship some gold, yeah. like the, the gods that we had in Egypt. I mean, like before he even gets down, and then, you know, he gets mad, breaks the tablets, has to go back up, get some more tablets. But, I mean, like that's how God loves, right? Like he was just like, oh, man, look at that heart response. That was amazing. Like what, what it's just mind-blowing, you know? We're all like that. Um, so in Matthew 22, I'm going to waste time by just turning to all these scriptures, and I encourage you to as well because... Not only do you learn the Bible a little bit better by looking at it like that, but then you can keep me in check if I just start quoting something completely random, just not even biblical. Keep me in check, guys. Big two. All right, so this is the first time that we hear it called the first and great commandment. So in Matthew 22, 37, and Ross, I'm, I'm so sorry if I gave you the wrong scriptures, man. I have a lot of scriptures in here. I'm like, I don't think I told them that. All right, 2237, where are we? All right, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Like, that's a huge statement. He's talking to people that had 613 laws that they had to fulfill daily. And they had to kill a lot of animals because they couldn't do it, right? And then you have God in the flesh right there going, hey, all the laws and all the prophets, everything hangs on these two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's, it's, it's kind of a, a packed statement. It sounds really simple and it's great, cool. Down from three, 613 laws down to two, that sounds a lot easier, right? But we have to be really careful not to love the way the world loves, especially in this day and age. I mean, you can, you can turn on news, you can go on social media, it's everywhere. Like, everyone's like, you know, it's like the, the 60s or something again, where it's like, hey man, all you need is love. We just need to turn on the Beatles and, you know, go surfing or something, and just like, you know, that, that's all we need. Everyone just be kind to each other. Everyone, everyone mistakes love for kindness. Like, just let that person do their thing or whatever. Everyone be kind, and that's love. And that's not what God says. That's not, I mean, God is love. So if you, if you need to, to know what it's like, you just got to look at the word. It's not too hard. Um, thank you. <laughs> this commandment, when, I mean, if, if God is calling this first, then that means that that should be the first thing in our lives, period. Like if Jesus, before he dies, before he goes to the cross, he's like, Mar- or, yeah, I'll get the scripture in a minute, but Last thing he tells him is, okay, a new commandment I have, I, I give to you. Love your neighbor as yourself, you know, love the Lord your God. This is the first commandment. Like, you know, he could have said a million different things right before he died, right before he goes to the cross. And that, this is what he chooses to talk about. So that's what I'm talking about. Um, the second one, I'm not going to really talk too much about the second commandment because the second commandment to love others as yourself will always come if you're actually doing the first commandment. You don't have to focus on loving others because if you do that, you find out that people are mean, you get offended, things don't go your way, all these things happen, and you just try to grit your teeth and love people better, and the Lord's like, just stop. You 
can't do it. You cannot do it. I didn't give you the ability to do it without me. So we have to love God first. It's the first commandment. He didn't say the second one is equal. He said it's like it. He didn't say, hey, this one is just as, as well. Do this one too. It's love God. Everything else will follow from that. Um, I mean, it, like love demands to be shared. Like you think about it, the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who we can't even wrap our minds around the fact that they were here, they were, they were there eternally before we were created, eternally before the earth. You know, eternities past, they were there in perfect love, loving one another, needing nothing, and then they chose to share it with us. They said, wait, let's make people like us. Let's make man in our image so that they can join in this too. He didn't need anything. He just wanted to give that to us. That's amazing. So you're talking about, you know, worrying about loving others, and it's like, that will come. Because if you're really loving God, you're going to do what he does, and what he does is love others as well. He pours it out, right? It's called the great commandment because it's the greatest calling on all of our lives. Here's a, I'm not a, I'm not a prophet like Pastor Nancy, but here's a prophecy for every one of your lives. You're all called to love the Lord with all your heart. That's your calling. You do that, everything else falls into place, right? Matthew, in a kind of little side note here, Matthew 6.33. Uh, let's see. You know, he's talking about being anxious, ironically. No, I'm talking about that. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about everything else. You do what God says, you love him, and then all these things will fall into place. And you, and even better than that, if you do love the Lord well in this life, in the next age, you will be called great by God. If, if you're doing the first and great commandment, you're going to be called great. I mean, how many of us want to stand before the Lord on that day? You know, I mean, it says some will, you know, get their as those escape, you know, through the fire. Like everything that they did will be burned because it was not of the Lord. They'll still make it. They'll still be saved. If you believe in the name of Jesus, you will be saved. But you won't be called great in the kingdom. Like, kind of gives you a little bit of a perspective. Like there's going to be, you know, ranks, yeah, in the, in the kingdom. Like not that you're going to be jealous or you're going to be like, oh man, I wish I would have whatever. It's not the case. But just as stars differ from one another in glory, so will we, right? Paul says. So Jesus said in Matthew, let's go Matthew 5, 17 through 19, Sermon on the Mount, pretty, pretty sweet teaching, pretty important. Everyone knows it. He said that, that until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And therefore, whoever does these and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Pretty black and white, right? He's talking to a bunch of, bunch of people. And he's just like, hey, do these things, love the Lord your God, and teach them. Do these things and teach them. And if you relax one of these, you will be called, that's where it is, you'll be called least in the kingdom. Not that you won't make it, but it's just, you know, let's all strive for greatness, not just barely getting there, right? He says later in Matthew 22, verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So... Again, recapping, whoever does the law, like he just said in Matthew 5, whoever does the law and commandments and teaches them will be called great, and all the law and the prophets that you're supposed to be teaching depend on the two commandments of loving God and loving others. So again, good news, 613 laws, even though we don't have to follow them because we're all Gentiles, unless you're Jewish, but we don't have to follow them anymore. That's awesome. Okay, so that's just kind of a, a little... Backstory, kind of uh, setting the setting the scene there for um, 
the, the title here, the, you know, loving, keeping the first commandment in first place. And then in John 13 through 17, like I said, the, the, uh, the upper room discourse there, that's when he elaborates on it. So that's when he goes into, I have all these awesome bookmarks, by the way, if you have kids, and they do all these Sunday school pictures and stuff, they make really great bookmarks for your Bible. I have like 14 of them in here. Um, but yeah, so John 13 through 17, it's commonly called the upper room discourse. Um, it's, again, they're enjoying the Last Supper. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And it starts in 13 with Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And then at the end of the chapter, that's where he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34 through 35. So that's, I mean, again, it sounds so simple, and it really is, ultimately, but again, we can't just be like, surfacey love, you know, whatever, and I'm, I'm going to get into it, but we, we have to love the way Jesus did. He gave the example, and then goes, okay, now go do this, and make disciples of everyone, and then they're going to do it, and forever, that's how people are going to know. So, John 14 through 16, those three chapters in the middle, they teach us how to do all that. And we'll get to that in a minute. And then the discourse ends in John chapter 17 with, I mean, everyone knows the high priestly prayer where Jesus not only prays to the Father for his current followers, but it's awesome. In, in uh, verse 20, he, uh, he prophesies and says, um, I think I have it here one second. And uh, it says, I have it written down in my, own, in my own wording, but it says that all who believe in Jesus through, through the words of his followers would be one just as Jesus and the Father are one. I mean, just like Vic is talking about all the time about us being in one accord and one spirit and one mind. That's how you do it right there. John 17. So how do we love God? Um, John 14, 15. This is where I just started writing down scriptures, and I don't know what they say. So I'm like, oh, cool, I got through. Oh, no, this is actually, actually kind of cool. I was, uh, I was typing these notes up as my wife was driving us here this morning. <laughs> so that's why it's a little scatterbrained right now. I was like doing last-minute touches. So John 14, through, uh, 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 21, a few sentences later, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John 14, 23, a few more sentences down, Jesus answered them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and I will come to him and make our home with him. And then also in 24, if you, if you needed it anymore, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. I mean, like three or four different times back to back in the same breath, he said, you love me, keep my commands. You keep my commands, you love me. If you don't keep my commands, you don't love me. Like, it's just black and white. And then again, the commands, love the Lord your God. So John 15, 9, such a huge statement. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. It's a massive statement that we'll never even come close to unpacking in this age. I mean... It, it, like, as the, as the Father has loved me. So try to just, like, meditate on that for the next, like, several weeks or months or whatever. Like, think about as the Father, Creator, God, loves His Son, Jesus, and has always loved Him. Just thinking of that, just trying to wrap your mind around that. It's amazing. And that's how He loves you. That's how He loves every single one of us. And we'll get to it in a minute, but He loves the person that you hate just as much as He loves you. So the manner and intensity with which the members of the Trinity love one another from infinite time past is how he loves you. That's how I kind of had that worded, if you want to just think about that. Remember that Jesus also, in John 13, he washed the feet of Judas too, 
right? So we have to, so you want to, you know, the world is like, oh, cut out your toxic whatever, you know, don't love that person, just cut them out, do this, whatever. And Jesus is like, okay, cool, I'm the son of God. I am God. How am I going to show love? I know that because of that dude right there, I'm going to go to a cross in a few hours or the next day, and I'm going to wash his feet just like everybody else. Doesn't matter. And that's hard. And the great thing is, again, we can't do it on our own. He didn't make us to do it on our own. And I highly recommend you don't try it. (laughs) It will be horrible. So to oversimplify it, there's kind of like, I'm not really going to dive into this too much, but there's five kind of like big ways. Oh, and by the way, I plagiarize like most of this, so don't think that I have like some crazy insight. This has just been on my heart for the past few weeks. I've been listening to all these teachings on this, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. So I'm just relaying messages that people plagiarize ultimately from the Bible, so I guess it all works out. Um, man, now I lost my spot. To oversimplify it, yeah. So there's five kind of ways that this love manifests. We need to see how God loves God, right? Jesus just said, as the Father loves me. So we focus on that, okay, Meditate on that for a decade. Then how God loves us, because Jesus said, so I have loved you in the same way. Then you can start to love God back because he's pouring his love out on you, right? And then you can start to love yourself because you can just go, yeah, in the midst of all my sin and failures and whatever, God still loves me. And if he says that about me, if this is my identity in him, then I got to take care of myself too. And then the fifth is that it'll overflow to others. So God loving God, God loving us, us loving God, us loving ourselves, us loving others. And all those things happen at the same time. It's not like you just focus on one for, like I said, a decade, and then you move down the line, and maybe in 50 years you're going to learn how to love others. It's not how it works. You can do all of them right now in a really small manner, and it'll grow the more you yield yourself to the Lord and the more you press into this. It's good to, uh, the, the guy that I, I kind of stole this teaching from, he says, uh, he just has this like little thing that he does that he just recommends to everyone. He says it over and over. He's just like, when you get to a truth like that, when you get to a truth in the Bible, it's called just pray reading the word. You just stop for a second and go, okay, as the Father loved Jesus, and you just go, thank you, Lord, for that truth. Show me more. And then you keep going. And you just do that. I mean, you can do that in the car. You can do that while you're standing in line for a sandwich. You can anywhere. But just thinking about that and asking the Holy Spirit to, to show you more. And little by little over the course of your whole life, you'll look back and go, oh, okay, five years ago, I didn't even think about this, and now all of a sudden I have like this amazing new joy and new love and new strength because I pressed into this and be diligent with it. It's a long race we're all running, and you, know, you can't just sprint and just grit your teeth, and I'm just going to fast for the next 40 days and, and just you know, meditate on this, and then I'm going to come out and I'm just going to be loving perfectly. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. But the beauty is, is that in this tiny life that we have here, It's the only time that we have to fight this and fight ourselves and everything else where we're not loving perfectly. So that means that for 99.9% of your life, for eternity, you're going to be loving God perfectly. So, I mean, all we got to do is focus on this now, keep it first now, and then later you get given that reward and he's like, oh, awesome. You're going to be called great. You did it well. I'm calling your life actions great. Here you go. Like, everyone gets to love each other now perfectly and love the Lord. I mean... Again, I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. So we need to spend time in the upper room discourse to kind of get a taste of what the Lord wants to show us about how to love him. We need to meditate on these scriptures. I mean, we can't exhaust it enough. We can't, you can't spend too much time in what God said when he came down as a man, and especially right before he went to the cross and died, right? All, all of what he said is important. Don't, you know, 
don't hear that from me that I'm like, all the other stuff Jesus said, it's not really, it's okay, I've read it, you know, I'll give you the spark notes, don't worry about it, read it all. Okay, so he tells us, you know, heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? So our heart, Pastor Vic's talked about this before, not being influenced by your feelings, right? Like, your feelings are fickle, they change, I mean, uh, how many times, like, you always use the example of somebody cutting you off, you know, or whatever. I'm like, that happens all the time when I'm, like, leaving church or whatever and trying to get on the stinking Palmer Wasilla Highway. People are driving crazy, and you're just mad at them. It's like you just left church. You were just worshiping God. And, like, and now I'm telling you, hey, guess what? Now you've got to love others. You've got to love others as, as yourself and as God loves them, too. So we love them with our heart by setting it as our main goal, setting this goal and this dream to live out the first commandment for the rest of our lives, not... Not for a season, not for a certain time or whatever. And we're all going to fall and we're all going to fail, just like the Israelites did. I mean, like, can you imagine, like, you're following a, a fiery pillar at night, a cloud of smoke during the day. You get bread that comes up from the dew. You get dead quail. I don't know how that worked out. You get all this stuff just given to you because you keep whining. And the God's like, okay, here you go, here you go, here you go. And then the second your leader leaves, you're like, you guys want to make a golden calf? And, you know. You know, I, I, I mean, come on, right? Like, but we all do. We all fall short. We all fail. But keep signing back up. We're not going to, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a marathon pace. So let's not, like, just get all raw, raw, get excited right now, leave from here, and then next week you're just kind of like, yeah, so anyway, you know, on to the next, next big teaching or, like, whatever. Just keep coming back to this over the course of your life. Keep coming back to make this your goal to end your dream, to keep the first commandment first place. Not being a slave to your feelings, like I said, like Vic says. Psalm 18.1, David, who was wonderfully called a man after God's own heart, said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. So we're going to fail. We need to constantly be willing to just repent, shift our focus. If we, need, if we need to repent, repent. Otherwise, shift your focus, go back to this, sign back up, and keep going. And you will look back in years. And I mean, I know I'm not super... Uh, old and have many, many decades with the Lord and can say this from a ton of experience, but I can definitely say that focusing on this, it really changes you. And, and it, again, it's a slow process, and the Lord loves it, and he, and he just desires us all to do this. Yep, kind of said the same things over and over again, didn't I? So the Lord remained faithful and brought them into the land that he promised God is a good father who loves to give us the desires of our hearts, right? Psalm 37, 4. But it's not, if, if you just, if you're like, man, you know what? I just really, really want a nice commercial jet. You know, like you can, you can want that all your life and there's a really good chance you're not gonna get it. Because if you're loving God the way that he tells you to love him, the desires of your heart are gonna reflect his heart. They're not gonna be your own desires where you're just, I want this, I want that. I don't really like that person, you know, kind of like, push him to the side, cut him out or whatever. Like, that's not how it works. He gives you the desires of your heart and he longs to give you those things when you're praying in accord with him and when you're loving him because then everything that you want, your desires, like you're, you're fulfilling his will, right? I mean, look what Jesus did. He did nothing that the Father, that he didn't see the Father doing or hear from the Father, right? Going fast. So this was kind of cool. Um, soul. So the Hebrew word for soul is nefesh. The first time it's used, I love this, this is amazing. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, The Lord heard man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living 
nefesh. That's what that word is, a living creature. So that soul, how, how we love him with our soul, that's who you are. That's your inner eternal part. That is the breath of God, just like we were singing. It's your breath in our lungs, literally. It's your breath in us. It's that nefesh, that soul that came from God. So we are created in his image, so therefore we must find our identity by being loved by God and loving him. It's his own breath in us. We entrust the Lord with our soul by believing in Jesus, believing what he said was true, following that, faith without works is dead, or faith without, yeah, works is dead, right? So we give that back to him, you know, we, we entrust our lives to him, ultimately, and we, and we trust that, you know, oh man, I wish I would have written this one down, there's more scripture popping in my head, but, uh, well, don't, don't fear man who can just, you know, kill the body and after that can't do anything, fear the Lord, who after your body's dead, he can throw your soul into like eternal flame, basically, right, into, into hell, away from the Lord. So we trust him, we love him with our soul. So we, so we went over heart, soul, we love him with our soul by just simply giving that back to him. By trusting in his son, trusting in what he did, and walking that out. Obviously, that's the big thing, right? So with our mind, it's a little bit easier to understand the mind. As Pastor Vic said before, the battle begins in our thoughts, right? 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. And then in Philippians 4.8, even further than just taking it, taking those thoughts captive, tells, uh, Paul tells us what to think about, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Again, seems simple, right? But, I mean, how often, I, I don't know, I've always thought, like, I wonder what it's like to be in somebody else's mind, because I feel like mine is just kind of like a bunch of different, like, movie screens and like stereos and stuff all going at once and it's just kind of like you can jump back and forth and just kind of like a I don't know crazy but controlling our thoughts giving those up to the Lord and then not only that but attacking it with thinking about the things that are true lovely honorable pure which again easy enough you have the word right there right so everything that you need to fill your mind is right there so again you don't have to do it yourself you don't have to sit there and just go like, oh, whatever is lovely, like oh, butterflies and flowers, and oh, yeah, I love nature, I love nature, and I hate mosquitoes. Oh, no, 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 I hate love. Okay, you know, and just gritting your teeth is not going to work. So just let the Lord do it. And again, he's given us the way right here. So love the Lord with all your strength, says it in Mark 12, 30. That's the one that's added. So loving the Lord with all our strength is probably the easiest to understand, but one of the hardest to do. Because your strength is your time, your money, your energy, your talents, your influence, your ministry, all these things that you have available to you, which, by the way, you receive them from the Lord. You didn't do it. I was having a talk with uh, um, a buddy uh, one time, and he was just like, it was about the Lord, and he was just like, yeah, no, I did all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, you couldn't do anything if the Lord didn't allow it. If the Lord wasn't actively, actively giving you breath right now, you would be dead. You don't understand. Like, you didn't, like, he gave you the strength to do that. He formed your body. He knew you could do that, right? So when we act like, oh, me, I did it. Like, no, you didn't. We're weak. We, we fail. We screw up. We stink. But again, God loves us, and that's what matters. And that's how we're supposed to, to walk it, is in that light. So these are, these are the physical things that we can see easily, Right? but often they're the hardest things to love him with. We talk about tithing, you know, your time too, taking a Sabbath, 
Sometimes it feels weird where you're just like, man, I could get so much more work done around my house. And the Lord's like, okay, well, if I rested after creating everything, you think it might be a good idea that you rested? I mean, the last time people ignored that rule for a while, they went into slavery for 430 years, so <laughs> however long it was to, to let the land rest, like the Lord took them into captivity and was like, okay, cool, you're not doing what I told you to do, so I'm going to make you rest. I'm going to make you. It says I make you lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say I give you a green pasture, go ahead and lie down. The Lord's like, I got it. You don't got it. And if you try to do it yourself, I'm going to force you to lie down because you need the rest. But it doesn't look good all the time. But I mean, look at Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, if Chick-fil-A can do it, we can do it. Like super profitable, amazing, delicious chicken sandwiches, and they don't work on Sunday, and somehow they're not out of business. You think they couldn't make millions of dollars on Sunday? Everyone wants to go there after church. I wish we had a Chick-fil-A. But I've gone there on Sunday several times disappointed. And it's just like, man, if you guys would just open, and it's like, no, the, the founders had Christian values, and they're like, no, we're closed on Sunday, we're taking a Sabbath. I mean, dumb example, but... It's, uh, it works. It's a natural thing in this fallen world to use resources to gain more influence, more money and more prestige or whatever else you want, right? It's easy to use that money and go, okay, cool, how can I make more money for myself? That's not bad in and of itself if you're using that for the Lord, if you're listening to him, if, you're, you know, if you have open hands. But when you're just like me, me, I need more money, I need more influence, I need a bigger church, I need a bigger ministry, I need a bigger car, whatever it is, that's when it becomes, you know, a sin in your life. So it's also how we spend our time and our energy in prayer, right? Jesus, Jesus commanded us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us in Matthew 5, 43 through 48. I think I actually wanted to read that. I'm going there. We're going there. Come on, guys. I actually don't have much left, so you guys just stay awake for a little bit longer. So again, Sermon on the Mount, 43 through 48. You've heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on evil and good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And he goes on to say, too, for if you, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't the tax collectors do that? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't the Gentiles do that? You, therefore, here, here's a good statement. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So there you go. Just remember that the Lord loves that person that you don't like every single bit as much as not only he loves you, but as he loves Jesus as he loves the Holy Spirit, and he died for them just the same. And then one of my favorite, I'm just going to kind of wrap up with this, one of my favorite uh, stories, and I actually love how Jesus talks about it. He says, wherever the gospel is preached, what she's done will be told. And uh, Mark, that's, yeah, it's Mary of Bethany, right, anointing Jesus' feet at the table. So in Mark 14, 6 through 9, But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. This is like my favorite part of this whole story. He said, she has done what she could. She anointed my body beforehand for burial. 
And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. I mean, that's amazing, right? That's how you love with your strength right there. She had an alabaster jar of insanely expensive perfume, right? That could have, I think it said, what, 300 denarii or something? So like three years wages or whatever that comes out to be. That's insane. And the best thing that she thought she could do with it was anointing Jesus for his death and burial. That's how you love with your strength. I just love that. He just said she did what she could. She might not have had anything else. She had no idea how else to, to love Jesus in that moment, but she did what she could with what she had, right? I don't know. I just love that story. But um, anyway, just recapping again. First commandment, first place. And then how do we do that? We love them with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, and our strength. Keep your feelings in check. Keep Give your soul to the Lord, first off. If you're not doing that, then I don't really think any of these other things should matter to you very much, but I think uh, they, they should. So, yeah, first give your soul to the Lord. I mean, that's, that's first and foremost. And then just focus on those scriptures that we just went through. Just, again, stay in John 13 through 17 forever and just see what the Lord does. See how he un- unravels that and shows you. I mean, like, we can't look up at the stars here very much lately because just raining, just constantly cloud cover right now. But I mean, you ever like, I mean, look at the mountains, like just like look at the things that he created. Look at how our solar system works. Like read about that, marvel in that. And then go, okay, a God that's that smart and that powerful and that amazing chose to create me because he wanted to. He didn't have to, he didn't need to, he just wanted to. And he wants to love you. He wants to love us and he wants us to be able to experience that first and foremost Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. Everything else will follow, but you have to do it on his terms. We have, to, we have to do it the way the word says it, because the way the world does it is just so messed up, right? I mean, that's what, the, that's what the enemy does, right? He takes things that are already true and already good, and he twists them and corrupts them. And even worse is a lot of times it's covered with a little bit of truth, just peppered on there just enough to where it's really palatable, and you swallow it a lot easier, and then you find out, you know, months and years go by, and you're like, wow, I'm like spiritually just dead. I don't love well. I don't whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.